Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. It is good to see you all here today. My name is Damian Thompson. I am the online and outreach and first impressions pastor here at North Shore, and it's a blessing to get to be with you today. Uh, we uh, are continuing, and I want to welcome you into uh, this series on the book of Ephesians called The Worthy Walk. Um, we are in chapter 6, which happens to be uh, the last chapter in the book. But if this happens to be your first time of being with us this morning, then I'm going to trust what the Lord has for you today. Okay? So last week, our brother Mark Milbreck, he uh, started us out uh, looking at the armor of God from an extremely unique and important perspective. Um, he was walking us through the understanding of the seen and the unseen. Um, the, the seen meaning that our true battle is, is, is not with flesh and blood. Um, and, you know, it, it, that's not where the battle is. The battle is actually with the spiritual, the unseen. And I want to thank Mark for that setup because that's going to give us the context for where we're going to be today as we begin talking about the armor of God. So let's get that, get, let's get that scriptural context. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. If there is anyone who is looking for a Bible today because we're going to spend some time in God's Word, raise your hand. I know I see one brother over here who's ready to hand one to you. And so we'll, you can keep your hand raised. They will get to you. Otherwise, get those Bible apps open because we're going to be reading from the Word of God today. Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10. This is what Paul says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. This is a call, church, for us to get ready, get prepared because something is coming. Or for some of us here today, it's, it's already here. Paul said to put on the whole armor of God, not just pieces and parts of the armor of God that feel comfortable, okay? So let's take a look at this first piece of the armor of God, and that's going to be in uh, verse 14. We're not even going to do the whole part of verse 14. We're going to do what we call today verse 14a, okay? So we're going to look at those first few words where Paul says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Okay, that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So, Paul says, with that belt of truth, he tells us to make sure that it is fastened. That it is fastened. Now, what does it mean to have your belt fastened? The Greek actually refers to this as to gird. And we don't use that kind of word today, to gird. I'm not exactly sure why I'm bending when I say gird, but it just feels like that's what you, to gird, Okay. All right, but the meaning is this. It's to make sure that something is fast or secure, to prepare oneself for action, to get ready to do something or to deal with something. 
Now you notice today in your notes, your notes are blank. I did that on purpose because I want you to be able to write down what it is that the Lord prompts your heart to put down as we walk through this, okay? Now for Paul, for him to make this reference of talking about a belt, see, uh, these in, in current military terms for us, we might say uh, in this fastening of it, to be combat ready might be something that would be more familiar to us. Or if a battle is imminent, battle stations. And if we've watched enough movies, we've heard that phrase. We know what that means. Or even the increase of our defensive conditions, or maybe more commonly known as DEFCON. And why would Paul use this imagery for us? Because preparation for battle is never instantaneous. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes understanding of what it means to gird up. He says, look, you're looking at flesh and blood. It means you're looking at people. And that's not who you're fighting today. You're fighting spiritual forces. And without this armor, you won't be able to withstand what is coming. So get ready. Prepare yourself. Get to battle stations. Get that belt fastened. And now when it comes to a belt, if there's going to be anything in this whole armor of God that we get, we get a belt, okay? We know what a belt does. We know what a belt is at least supposed to do, okay? Um, and listen, over time in our culture, the belt has evolved in its purpose. Uh, wouldn't you agree? I, I know that we've, we've got belts that have different colors. They've got different materials they're made out of. Uh, sometimes a belt is just for a fashion accessory, and sometimes the belt hangs off, and I don't even understand what that means right there. Um, I know some of our sisters here today, it's like, see, you need to learn, Damien. That's, nope, that's not going to happen. So I try to stay in my lane, so I work with my brothers here when it comes to, to belts. You know, if they ever ask me for advice, see, see Pastor Paul, he'll catch with me, and he'll, he'll, he'll say to me, he'll, 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 the shoes and the belt, he'll go, hey, is this working today? Am I, am I, am I good? And I go, yeah, you're good. And what I mean by that is keep, keep, your, keep your leathers together, all right? If you got black shoes, put on a black belt, you're going to be all right, okay? You start mixing those up, people get hurt. Now, that's not true. But I stay in my lane right there. But for Paul, he was a Roman citizen. He was a citizen of the greatest empire of the times, and they did not acquire that greatness by niceness or by diplomacy. They took it by power and by military might. So he was familiar with the equipment or the armor of the common Roman foot soldier. But there was also a common thread for the Jewish culture, culture of dress as well. See, both Jews and Romans, and there were other Gentiles who wore a long piece of clothing. And they, they, sometimes they referred to it as a cloak or they referred to it as a tunic. And it would go over your shoulder and it would go all the way down to your feet, okay? So whenever it is that they were getting ready to engage into a physical action, you needed to get this stuff out of the way because it would inhibit your ability to move. So in other words, if you were going to be running, if you were going to be doing something that had a, a, like a serious you know, physical demand upon you, or if you were going into battle, you wanted as much free movement as you could get. And so you would pull up that tunic and you would tuck it into your belt so that you could do what you need to do. And for the Jews, 
I found this really interesting. This was something that I learned in this. I love it when God does this for me. And for the Jews, the use of a belt has an even more special meaning. Because you see, during their time of enslavement in Egypt, when Moses, in obedience to God, was sent to set them free, curses were being inflicted upon Egypt as Moses was refusing to let them go. But it was during the final curse that the Lord gave very specific instruction to the Jews. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 12. If you want to go ahead and look ahead and get turned there, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 12. You see, the final curse was the death of the firstborn of all who didn't follow these instructions. And the Jews were told to prepare and eat a certain meal on the night of the de that the death angel came. So we're going to do a little double lesson here today. Okay? But they were also told, when it comes to this meal, they were told how to eat it. So let's look at Exodus chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 7. And this is what it reads. It says, Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. The Lord is very, very specific here. But now look what the Lord says in verse 11. He says, in this manner, you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. So if some of you have wondered where this feast of the Passover came from, here it is. Because these specific instructions were, set, were put into place to set the Jews apart so that when the death angel came, he would know not to enter that home and take the life of the firstborn that was there. And the death angel would pass over. But when you look specifically at what the Lord says on how to eat it, consider it, belt fastened, sandals on, staff in hand. That sounds like you're getting ready to go do something. That sounds like it's time to be ready, to be prepared. And if you read the rest of the story, after the death angel comes, Pharaoh's heart finally softens. And he tells Israel to go. Not tomorrow, not later, go now. So the Lord's instructions were specific for a purpose. Now, church, we're going to step into what it is that this belt is made of. It's made of truth. It's made of truth. Now, Paul tells us to be fastened with the belt of truth. Why truth? What is truth? Well, in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying a prayer to the Father that he's never prayed before. And in the middle of this, Jesus states exactly what truth is. Starting with verse 14, Jesus says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And Jesus says, 
Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. But Jesus also earlier in the same book of John, in John chapter 8, he lets us know what truth is not. Now, I'm going to go ahead. If you want to turn there, we're going to be at, we're going to be at verse 42. But I, I want to just give you just kind of a little bit of a setting here so that you understand what it is that brought Jesus to the point where he would say what he's about to say. See, the, the Pharisees and the scribes have been following Jesus. They've been after him. They're pursuing him. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to find reason to arrest him. They're trying to find everything they can to make their accusations stick, okay? It just seems like no matter where Jesus goes, there the Pharisees are, and there the scribes are, and there's Jesus, and there's this back and forth that's going. And so now we get to verse 42, and Jesus has some really strong words for them. Starting verse 42, he says, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. And then here we go. In verse 44, he says, You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Ooh, Jesus. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Wow. Jesus dropped a bomb on them. So what is not truth? Anything that comes out of the mouth of Satan out of the mouth of the devil, out of the mouth of the evil one. For not only does he lie, he is the father of lies. It comes from his character, meaning what? He can't help but who he is, for there is no truth within him. None. Zero. Church, I want you to understand, lies matter. They're big. They're important. So can I ask you, have you ever believed a lie or lived a lie and you saw the damage that it did? I'd question, I went back and forth on what it was because I was challenged, Damien, is there some point in your life where that was real? And it was. As a matter of fact, it was on this very stage in this very room. Some years ago, this is a while ago, when I was involved in the worship ministry here, I was just a few years into serving here, and there would be these Sundays, and it wasn't the whole Sunday. It might be a service where church, I got to tell you, Holy Spirit would show up, and there'd be some stuff going down in the room as we were worshiping. And we, the, the, the worship team, we would come off the stage, and we would all look at each other and go, what was that? Did you see that? Did you hear them? Oh, my goodness. What was going on? Was it that song? I don't know. Should we have done that chorus one more time? Maybe we should have. And we're just processing it back and forth. And then I came up with the idea 
that we could recreate those moments. If I just paid attention to what was happening, how often we repeated this, when we sang that, did I have them stand? Did I have them sit? Did I have them close their eyes? I tried to create a formula that didn't have anything to do with the one who made the moment. And that was the Holy Spirit. And I got it all ready and go. And church, I got to tell you, it was the biggest lie in the world that I thought I could do that. Because every time I tried to implement the formula, it fell flat. I don't mean like it was nice. Oh, that was, no. It fell flat. And I walked away going, what have I done? And I said, Lord, what, what's going on? How come? <laughs> he just said, well, apparently you don't need me. Go ahead. And church, I wept when I realized how much damage I had done. To the point where I had to get up and I had to confess to this church. I had to say, will you please forgive me? Because I thought this was something I could do. It wasn't. And it was a lie. And I believed it and I walked it out and I'll never forget it. Sometimes I wish I could. There's so many days I'm thankful that I can't because God reminded me who's in control. So that's my truth because that's my story. They tend to be pretty connected. So church, can I ask you what what is your story? What is your truth? See, these things, they, they matter. And who is it that you're allowing to speak into your truth, to speak into your story? Now, some of us today, we will, you know, we'll, we'll turn to self-help books, okay? You're going to see some of these here on the screen. Some of you might see these, some of these titles and you might go, hey, I saw somebody reading that, or maybe you just ordered it, or maybe it's in your Kindle, or maybe you're listening to it on Audible. Now, you might be asking, okay, Damien, are you telling us that we shouldn't be reading any of these self-help books? No, I'm not saying that. Some of us are more specific, and there are certain authors, certain authors that we have drifted towards or more attracted to. And so as you see some of these faces, as they begin to come across the screen, you're going to recognize some of them. Some of you may have some of their books. Maybe some of you read them in college. Maybe some of you are reading them now. Maybe some of you have always wanted to buy one of their books and go through it. Maybe you've been in a book club and you guys went through it and had conversation about them. Because these people are really talented. They're really gifted. They're good. New York Times, bestseller, blah, 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 blah. Now you may be saying, all right, Damien, are you, are you saying don't read these authors, avoid them? No, I'm not saying that either. Some of us, many of us, have begun to listen to other pastors we, we, we turn and we, we listen to them. I mean, one of the things that Scott and I have recognized in the teaching team is, is that with our online campus, good morning to you, I love you guys, so glad that you're with us here today, is that at the 9 o'clock, 
They'll come and worship with us, and then at 11 o'clock, they go worship someplace else, all from the comfort of their home, and we just relate. So as you look at some of these faces, some of these names are going to be, you know, familiar to you. We're not having the faces. Maybe the faces aren't working today. Okay, we got bad faces. Well, there's some of the faces there. So some of these, you're going to see these faces, and you're going to recognize them. And you're going to say, hey, I, I listen to, hey, I, I'm familiar with, hey, I really like the way that they, and you're going, okay, all right. Okay, Damien, I see what you're doing. I see where you're going. You're telling us don't listen to these other pastors. Nope. That's not what I'm saying. But guys, I have to ask, who is shaping your story? Who is shaping your truth? I'm asking this question because somebody's got their hands on it. Somebody does. We allow others to have influence on our lives, whether it's authors or pastors or politicians or parents. That's right. I said parents. I say that again because I'm one of those. And my influence is significant. Some of us struggle with the things that our parents taught us to do. Some of it, we're struggling with what our parents taught us to do, and our parents aren't even alive anymore. And we do what they said do because they said to do it. And have we sat and just lined that up with Jesus? And that's hard because you want to honor your parents. And for some of us, we, some of us might even begin to poo-poo social media. I don't, I'm, I'm not on there. I, I don't have time for that. But you need to understand that there are not thousands or hundreds of thousands. There are millions of these people who actually have the title of influencers. Okay? YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You don't think that's important? Elon Musk, who owns Tesla, is getting ready to pay $44 billion dollars to buy Twitter. I, heard, I, read, I read somewhere, because I'm like, that's a lot of money and that's crazy. He has spent the last six years on Twitter every single day saying something. But was it not Jesus who said to us in John chapter 8, verse 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? Set us free from what? Free from lies. Because anything that is not the truth is what? It's a lie. And who is the father of lies? Satan, the devil, the evil one. And maybe we just need to settle this understanding of truth with this. Jesus told us in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So, church, if these things you read, if these things you listen to, if these things you repost, don't start with Jesus, don't end with Jesus, be careful.
Check yourself. Check your belt. It might be getting loose. Okay? Tighten it up. Because Satan has no interest with you having connection with the truth. And he's a really good liar. So we need to be ready. And church, if I can just go ahead and just step back to the very first thing that Paul said in verse 14 of chapter 6. Concerning fastening and this belt of truth that we're to wear, he said, stand. Paul tells us to make sure that we are fastened with the belt of truth so we can stand. The command is simple, straightforward, offers no suggestion of a plan B. The belt of truth fastened is given for us to stand in the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. So as we close today, I want to ask you some questions. Are you ready for action? Are you ready for action today? Are you ready for the battle that is to come? Or maybe already here? Are you in a place right now? Are you in a battle right now? And you realize for the first time today that you don't have any armor on. See, I'm a, I'm a Marvel Comics guy. In specific, I'm a Captain America guy. Whenever he's getting ready for a fight, he's got a saying. Got a suit? Suit up. But as you hear that, you might be asking yourself, Where, I don't, where's my suit? I don't, I don't have it. I don't know what that means. And church, this is why you have Jesus. This is why we have Jesus. Because he is faithful. None of this armor needs to be purchased because Jesus already did that. None of this armor needs to be earned because Jesus already took care of that. And it doesn't need to be fetched because it's way over here. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you already have it because he is faithful and he has provided it for all of us. So church, I'm going to invite you to stand with us. So we're going to enter into a time of worship before we're done here this morning. I want to take a moment and I just want to share with you what scripture has to say about the faithfulness of our God, the faithfulness of our Jesus. In Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, it reads, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love for those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Psalm 98, verse 3, David writes, He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. In 1 Corinthians, verse 9, Paul writes, God is faithful by whom you were called 
into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we haven't even gotten to the full armor, which Paul tells us to put on. We're just looking at the belt today. Where's your belt? Do you have your belt? Is your belt loose? Is your belt hanging there? Are you trying to be cute and fashionable with your belt? It's not why Jesus gave it to you. He gave you this belt because he knew the fight is coming. He knew the battle is coming your way. And maybe you're in it right now. And you're not sure if you're winning. Well, let's just stop and look to see what you're fighting with. What do you have? And it's going to start with the belt of truth. And that truth is Jesus. And he wants you to have him. So maybe this is a morning where you're saying, I don't have you, Jesus. You can have him today. He's waiting. He's been longing for this moment for you to receive him as your Lord and your Savior. And with that decision and with that confession, here comes the armor. And you're going to be good to go, but you got to put it on. You got to put it on. And we just want you to understand the purpose of putting it on. The father of lies, he sees you. Don't think you miss his attention. If you stand in the truth of who Jesus is, he wants to get you out of that place. He wants to move you off that mark. He does not want you to stand. But, but because of who Jesus is and his faithfulness, we have all that we need. Would you pray with me? Jesus, in this time and in this space, we confess to you. We need you. We want you. We don't want to walk around unprepared. No truth. No belt. Lord, would you help us to understand what it means to gird ourselves up today? to fasten our belts, to be ready, to be prepared to move and for action because that is what you call us to. We thank you, Jesus, because you and you alone are faithful, faithful for us and to us until the end. We ask all this in your holy and blessed name, and we all said together, amen. <laughs>